Fake Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. Ginger ale and whiskey. What's it called? A Kentucky Mule? I don't know. It's, uh, I got, can- I'm drinking Canadian Dry. Bold ginger ale. Um, and Chattanooga whiskey. It's good. It's in the copper cup. I think that's the right cup for whiskey and ginger stuff. But is Canada Dry actually made in Canada? Or is it bottled like in Atlanta or is that Buffalo Rock? I don't know who that is. Canada Dry. Canada Dry. I think it uh, is Buffalo Rock who own like the, uh, what, the Dr. Pepper people. I think can, uh, can, Canada Dry is like a Dr. Pepper deal. Texas, under authority of Dr. Pepper products. Dr. Pepper 7-Up, Inc. Yeah. When they merged, like they went, neither of them would drop their name. It was like Dr. Pepper 7-Up, Inc. I mean, that's that's the state of it now, right? Because before that, it was Dr. Pepper Snapple. Is that right? Mm. Yeah, what happened to that? Snapple around still or no? I haven't seen Snapple anywhere. The store. I never thought about that. Did we lose Snapple during COVID? And nobody told me that Snapple died? <laughs> Did they give it Rindisivir? Is, is that what happened? Well, actually, now now that I'm thinking about it, it's not even Dr. Pepper Snapple anymore. It was Keurig Dr. Pepper. Like the coffee machine? Yeah. I mean, mind you, that was only a few years ago. So the, I'm, I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like the the bottle that you have is Dr Pepper Seven Up. Yeah. Because see, that was before Dr Pepper Snapple. But doc, but which Canada was before Dry, Keurig Dr Pepper. But Canada Dry Bold hasn't been out that long. That's a new commercial with that like sassy ass old lady. I wonder if maybe some of the companies in like the bottling still operate under that name. Maybe it's just a bunch of sister companies. Maybe because like I know. Case they, you know, put drop some, uh, the CIA put some anthrax in one of them. That company (laughs) can take the go bankrupt and the rest of them are good. Well, because obviously a lot of other big corporations own certain stakes in this, right? Like for that one in particular, I know I know Mondelez has a good chunk as well. But either way, we're still all talking about very recent history. Like these are all things that all happened in the last 10 years. It all feels like so long ago, pre-COVID. Pre-lockdown, anything before the lockdown seems like forever ago. 
I was listening to a person who was talking about being pregnant during the the whole COVID pandemic, and uh, my wife was pregnant during that, and uh, I had forgot how much that took away from our experience having the baby. It was our second, so I guess it didn't because I got to do all the normal things with the first. Like I was like, oh, well, you know, I've experienced it the right way before. But I I never thought about it as much as I did today listening to it where I was like, oh, I didn't get that experience with this child. You've had that experience, but you've only had it with your oldest. Right. So as far as like bi-directionally, like the actual relationship that was forged, you've only had that experience with him as opposed to. Yeah. So it's, it's not something to be checked off, right? It's not something to put on your bucket list. Yeah. So it was the importance of it really. I mean, I remember being upset about it, but I didn't look at it again until today. And now I'm pretty fucking upset about it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, that's why we're recording late, because I ended up putting him to bed, thinking about that shit, holding him, and then I fell asleep. So I came to, uh, rec- I got to the recording a little late. I do apologize, but it got me a little bit emotional. Well, luckily everybody's going to get this at the same time anyway, so. <laughs> It'll work out, right? But just so you all know, it, it was a little later than normal. It was. But I, that's probably something that either, I would guess, current parents in this can relate to or prospective parents would understand. Like, what are the things that you... I mean, we can we can make some assumptions, right? I think your average person can say like, oh, well, did you miss having your dad bring you a cigar in the delivery room or, you know, like the... So, before COVID, I had my oldest, my wife gave birth to my oldest, and there was some complications, um, nothing that... Uh, wasn't resolved pretty easily, but enough to make uh, a new dad, a first timer, pretty nervous, right? And I had close friends of mine out in the waiting room. I had my my parents, my in laws, her sisters, and their families, and everybody's there waiting to see the new arrival, right? And I remember it being like that for my friends when they had their kids. Like, I'd be there waiting, you know? Sometimes it was a little boring and whatnot, but, like, it's your good friend having their first kid. You sit there and you wait, and you you get to see the baby for, like, 15 seconds, and then you go home. But, like, yeah, you waste, you were there your whole day. But, like, that's what people did before COVID. But now 
the mother has to be worried about her or the husband passing a COVID test. Um, I don't know. I, I say now, but I would imagine certain places now. Um, when we had our second, our youngest, during the COVID pandemic, if my wife were to have tested positive, she would have gave birth and they would have took the baby immediately and separated her from the baby, quarantined her. And if I were to have tested positive, I would have not been there. So you're talking about a, a risk of not even... It would on a graph you wouldn't see the line. It would it would be indistinguishable from the bottom line. Uh, a risk of the baby getting sick from my wife if she were to have COVID. But yet you're gonna take the bonding experience away from not only her but the baby itself the baby is new to the world is only comfortable with the sounds of her mother's or his mother's organs right you're going to take that from the baby so potentially imprinting abandonment issues onto the baby right away and emotionally scar the woman for something that would not even be considered in a normal circuit, like a normal hospital with it, that risk for anything else. They wouldn't even, that wouldn't even be something they would talk about. Yeah. Like if, if a pregnant woman comes in and has cold symptoms, I'm not sure one that they would even notice but two, that they would even do anything about it. If they did, yeah. Uh, and well, what do they claim the risk of transmitting AIDS from touch and whatnot is? They don't take AIDS patient, or, well, I guess H HIV, because AIDS doesn't exist anymore. But... HIV babies away from their mothers. Well, I, I will have to give I will have to give that one some credence though, because those are two inherently different ways of spreading and different viruses. Like HIV doesn't isn't airborne. Right. But the risk of contracting is probably about the same. Even even if that were true, which I don't think anyone in the medical community would be willing to admit is true. Yeah. Even if that were true, it's still not zero. So if there is a mechanism for spread, it's in their interest to minimize that mechanism. So like I say, with with I, I just don't think it's a fair comparison to say to right. HIV. And not because I disagree with the point you're making, but I just think we have a much better comparison to make than 
HIV. Like if we were to tr think of something else that's airborne or. Um, Speaking of airborne things that kill people. What about all this shit in Japan? Have you been watching any of these studies or following oh, any? The, the giant yeah. lizard? <laughs> yeah. But no, the, the, I have been watching that. <laughs> like all the uh, wildlife studies and everything going on with the, with the nuclear power plant disaster there in Japan. Not at all. I am not following this at all. Tell me everything. Oh, well, like uh, insects seem to be the most affected seems so far everything i've seen it's like uh things with eight legs like not insects but like arachnids are the most affected insects being the second um wait so this is this is nuclear fallout from like the power plant that exploded there during when the when the the tsunami fucked it up, and we're so, just getting some so people have been, now, or just getting no data people around effects. Or? People have been studying it for a while, and the thing is, is like the anti nuclear movement is very good about anything that looks like. minimizes or takes away the fear of nuclear stuff they're really good about keeping that shit on the hush hush right so the problem is is more complex organisms are not not only are they not dying but they're flourishing So you have insects that are affected. I see that this, that's why I'm starting with the things that are affected because I don't want to seem like a nut, right? Arachnids mostly. Um, some insects, very few like rodents are affected, but pigs, boars, flourishing doing better in this environment than they than anywhere else but they they contribute the fact that they're doing better not to the nuclear shit but like the fact that just humans are out of the picture and they're able to just fuck up whatever they want right because hogs fuck shit up right for Go a living hog. yeah that's what they do so, um, and they're fucking up so much shit. <laughs> this is, this is the, something that I think is pretty funny. It, it should be brought up is like hogs are fucking up so much shit in a completely abandoned part of Japan. that humans aren't allowed to, to be in that they felt that it's necessary to bring in professional hunters to thin out the hog population in a part of Japan where there's no humans. See, that to me is way more telling than any study. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, 
is is it possible that the more complex creatures are affected it's just not as easy to observe as it is in the simpler organisms because complex creatures and complex organisms are as in name complex so it's multivariate and it might have affected them but have like latent issues and i'm not trying to be like a nuclear truther here but it is it is true that that's the that is a very um and that that is a true fact It, it is harder but they also know what to look for so what they found is animals that were alive because they've been studying this whole time, right? The animals that are to say complex to the like equivalent to a pig or other pigs, right? That the ones that were there during the initial explosion, like that were no radiation or very little to, and then immediately hit with, the higher dose, right? They developed, uh, even the ones that didn't develop the, like the most minute problems, most of them were eye oriented. Like, uh, their eyes would get hazy, like, uh, cataracts or whatever. Hmm. So they did a lot of, they've done a lot of eyeball studies because they noticed that that was one of the first things to go on. Um, on animals that uh, the most minimally affected, they still had eye problems, right? So, but the ones that were born into the radiation or maybe migrated into it after it had happened, uh, or they are slowly introduced to the radiation, are not having these issues at all. They there may be a longevity lifespan is you know change but it is as of right now it's so small that it's not they're not able to determine any change in lifespan yeah like i i guess they are they're tagging these animals and whatnot they've been doing it the whole time and luckily this happened not that long you know it long enough now ago that animals have lived and died their full life in it, but not so long ago that there wasn't the technology to tag and track and all these things. And it was in a developed enough country that 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 people did it. So this is yeah. a very interesting information that we're getting. I think I would be interested to see any of the lab results or things like that as well, because. Um, like you say, with longevity, I'd be interested to know what they're looking at. Like, is it uh, like, are they looking into things like telomere length and what are they using as a control and all that sort of stuff? But, um, on its face, that is pretty interesting. Are there other animals besides pigs that are native to these areas that they've done studies on or what's, yeah. So, uh, the cool thing is, is like in Japan, the government uh, forced farmers to kill the animals that were exposed. 
to um, the radiation during the um, during the fallout when it when it happened, but the animal activists and farmers who were attached to their animals refused. I wanted to nurse their their animals, try to get them healthy again, or whatever, um, and. Because they refused, there was all these animal activists doing medical procedures on these. So there's a lot of records. So there was, I mean, extreme instant exposure where, like, lost all their hair, um, burn, you know, nuclear burns and, you know, all that shit, right? Uh, A lot of the animals went blind. Again, the eye thing, right? Quite a few of them, even the ones that lost their hair and went blind, lived a full life, just not, I would say, not as comfortable of a life as they would have lived, right? Um, But uh, the real interesting thing is the animals that were born to these animals that lived normal lives afterwards. That's the weird, like, because they were exposed, they were in a body that would, you know, had high amounts of radiation as they were developed. And, you know, in arachnids, you see, like, limbs and stuff that are developing wrong or whatever, but you didn't see that in these animals where you would have thought that it would have happened because that's something that I think we, we all assumed was an effect of, uh, of nuclear exposure because of what happened in, um, in Chernobyl in, in Ukraine, right? Where babies were born and they would say like, if, there was limb issues or whatever because of the, but what it looks more like and what I listened to us, a guy on a podcast is conspiracy podcast, but it was, it was a doctor that he had speaking and it was on this subject and what the, it looks like the, the, the factor that goes into the limb issues and the deformations, while it may have, it may be affected by radiation, it is a very minimal amount. It it seems to be more affected by malnutrition and things like that than your typical radiation. Where I would like to go into it a little further where I think a lot of these like when you take some of the Africa studies where there's also malnutrition, they might not be factoring in all the medical uh, experiments that are being done on these people in Africa. Yeah, it's, well, well, because like you say, malnutrition is, at least in modern species almost exclusive to humans because malnutrition for a lot of others leads to extinction Mm -hmm. 
or thinning of, thinning of the herd if it's more just like a smaller portion of you know weaker mm -hmm. animals things like that but in humans there's there's this like separation of people and forced scarcity and all these other strange factors it's we're the most complex species which means that we can inflict the most damage on each other so that rant which is for another day can be set aside to just say it could be both right some combination of a little radiation sprinkled on top of some less than ideal conditions but i i, I do think it's worth doing I, I do think it's worth having like the marquee takeaway be that radiation isn't binary it is a spectrum just like anything else it's it's not about something being good or bad it's about what level like sunlight yeah. i'm not here to i'm not here to say that sunlight and the radiation from it is inherently good i'm not even saying the radiation as a part of it is i'm just saying that we've evolved to need some level of sunlight and sun has some level of radiation with it um, same with like ultraviolet rays and the let's get on skin and all, all yeah, that sort of stuff right absolutely let's they're, get on the race thing it there people div are 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 does adapt to where they're from to what their conditions are and I think it happens in uh, lower organisms maybe a little bit faster. So maybe the the arachnids or whatever, that's their species trying to adapt really fast and not getting it right to the, the radiation, you know? Yep. Whatever that is, right? Um and the and what makes me think that is there was a study a long time ago that I I watched a, a video series about the study and it was throughout three generations of Alaskan foxes. They captured wild Alaskan foxes. I don't know if you've seen these things. They're black, an Alaskan fox. Uh, they're very wild, like like a, I don't, in uh, California. Are there fox in California? I don't know. I know they're there are here coyotes. in Georgia. Yeah. But they, you know, they're fierce. If you catch them wild or corner them, they're, they're fucking mean. Anyway, um, within, not the second generation, but the third generation of, captive fox so catch a wild one it has a baby then the next baby there was physical changes in the appearance of the captive baby by the third generation and the physical changes were the big bigger eyes as a baby the cute features things that the the generation before had realized 
the humans enjoyed and was feeding them for. There was physical appearance changes in the babies that quickly to adapt to getting food and getting affection from a human. We don't even have to look at lower organisms. We've seen that in humans with, don't quote me on this, but I, I think it's uh, Tibetan monks, maybe. Yeah. Um, but there's there's some group of folks that they found that over generations having done about a, a bunch of uh, like meditation or something in like the mountains, they like migrated some small sect of folks migrating up to the mountains where the air is thinner. They biologically are different than the people at the bottom of the mountain. Something to do with like their lungs and like blood oxygenation or something like that. I'm, I, I don't want to say exactly for sure, but maybe I can, I can link the study or something. But uh, the important takeaway here is that in humans, like we don't even have to look at, at lower organisms. We've seen that in humans mm-hmm. in the handful of generations we've been observing. So, yeah, absolutely. It stands to reason that we are going to adapt. And I, I would love to find the link that video or because the series on the Fox was it was all videoed. It wasn't there was there was actual tapes of them interacting with the different generations. So like whether yes, it was VHS and whatnot, grainy, but like. It was a a true study by scientists videotaped on this documentary series and you actually saw physical changes in the babies, the way they looked, the way they acted as babies. That's cr- that's that blew my mind. So if I can find it again, I would love to. Um, maybe we'll put a link to it. I I was young when I saw it, but, um, so we've gotten off on a tangent on what today's series was supposed to be about, um, which is fine. Yeah. Food for thought guys. There's a clap and there's no clap.